0: You are listening to Your Blessed Life Podcast, episode number 23.
1: We need to be building our faith for the storms that are coming because they are always coming. And when we come to believe and when we know because by God's faithfulness, we've established that litany of of recognizing his faithfulness in the little things. When it comes to the things that are more important than anything else, like our life or our children or our family, Then we can continue to trust God even if we don't like His answers.
0: Let the stories and teachings of today's top Christian leaders inspire and move you to releasing God's best for your life. With your host, best selling author, and certified Christian life coach, Jay Marsh. Welcome to your blessed life. there, Blessed Nation. Jay Marsh here. It's great to be with you guys today. I want to welcome you to Your Blessed Life. So I want to get right into today's show. We have a guest that I am excited about, you know, and I was chatting with him uh, on the kind of the the pre-show chat and I was telling him, I think I'm a little nervous here. (laughs) And it's only because I really commit all of myself, my mind, my even my body during these interviews as I'm standing here. And my of course, my spirit. So I'm really excited to introduce you guys to our guest here. Our guest today is Pastor Bill Tucker. So, Pastor, I want to welcome you to the show today. Thanks, Jay. Great to be with you. Well, it's an honor to get to have you, and I look forward to blessed nation getting to know a little bit more about you. And so, in in order for them to do that, I want to share just a little bit about you. And if you would toward the end, maybe fill in the gaps. And also, if there's something that comes to mind, a fun fact a hidden talent, or maybe just something that folks don't know about Bill Tucker, I want you to share some stuff with us if you would. Great. Love to. Okay. Awesome. Well, Bless Nation, of course, I know Pastor Tucker best as, well, a husband to his wife, Julie, a father, four children, and the senior pastor at Concordia Lutheran Church here in San Antonio. And, you know, we were were also chatting just a little bit ago, and I think Pastor, you and I have had this conversation before, but so you pastor a large church with a small town feel. And I've come from a large church background, and it's so refreshing to get to experience a congregation that feels so small. So your 9,000 ish congregation Mm kind of feels like that, that out, that a small town feel. And and I, I'm sure you've been told that a time or two.
1: Yeah. You know, folks have said that, Jay, but I, I have to tell you, every time I hear it, it pleases me because it, that means they're relationships, right? It means people are loving each other and connecting to one another. And that's that's where there's tremendous power.
0: Yeah, you're right. Building relationships, which I kind of think is the core to the gospel is building that relationship. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Yeah. Important stuff. Well, Blessed Nation, I also want to share uh, some fun facts about Bill Tucker, give you an idea of, of who he is. And that's one of the wonderful benefits about this show is not only can we come to you and just do some awesome teaching points, we also get the opportunity to meet folks like Pastor Bill Tucker. And it's almost as if we're having a, a cup of coffee with him, getting to know a little bit about him from the inside out. And so Pastor Tucker, he's an outdoors guy, and whether you're listening to him in the pulpit or you're spending a few minutes with him. You know that he likes the outdoors. You know that he's a photography buff. He loves to hike. And some other things that you may not know about Pastor Tucker is that he's a Navy-Marine background guy. So you were a chaplain in, in the Marines, right?
1: Yeah, I was a Navy chaplain, and uh, Navy chaplains served the Marine Corps, and so I had the privilege of serving with the Marines my entire my entire time.
0: Yeah, awesome. Awesome. how many years did you do that?
1: Oh, just a short stint, Jay, about five years. Okay. Awesome. That's cool.
0: Well, and I guess just to kind of wrap up my part on it, and and this is something that I liked to chat with you about because I enjoy this, is I'm a huge football nut. (laughs) I I really am. I mean, I cannot wait for the fall season to start. I love all things football, high school, college, and pro. And I know you played some high school and college ball. And unlike me, you were the running back that was running over everybody. I was the running back that was running away from everybody.
1: Well, that was the that was sort of the goal and the theory, right? I mean, uh, <laughs> if it had happened as successfully as as I'd have liked, then you know I might have played on into the professional league. But yeah, I love football, Jay. Love football. Yeah, me too. Well, Pastor, share
0: something with us about yourself. Maybe a fun fact. Maybe even a hidden talent. Something that that everyday folks don't know about Bill Tucker?
1: You know, I was thinking about that because you'd mentioned it to me before, and I was thinking about the fact that I'll bet you folks don't know that I was also very involved in music. I, I started out in elementary school playing the clarinet and switched to play the saxophone in junior high and high school. Didn't continue that on, so it's not a hidden talent. I couldn't pick it up and just do it right now. But, you know, it's kind of in my background. But then in college was involved in sports, but also very involved in singing and got involved in a, in a traveling group called the Foresters, which was kind of a public relations group that, a small group that sang at worship services and youth events. And so did that uh, while I was in college as well. Wow, that is neat. I did not know that. So now, but now I'm just kind of th- squeaky and creaky. So I yeah. <laughs> that's not a hidden talent. Anymore either.
0: <laughs> so if you're in the pulpit and you break out the sacks or you start getting into a singing mode, I'll know where it's coming from.
1: Uh, if, if you see that happen, run for the door because it's not going to be good. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> well, that's
0: cool. Thanks for sharing that. That's uh, it's always fun to get to know stuff about folks that Unless you asked that question or you knew them from 100 years, yep. you, you just wouldn't know those kinds of things. Oh, right. And, you know, getting to know you is, is really kind of the core of the show today. There's so many things that we could talk about from your ministry, even, even prior to Concordia, to your family life, to your military service. But for today's show, I'm really excited for Blessed Nation to really get to know you from the inside out as we talk about your daily Personal walk with Christ, and so to kick that off, you know, we have these three pillars at your blessed life that we talk about when we do this type of show. It's faith, hope, and promise, and then at the end we sprinkle in a few uh, nuggets of wisdom, and so that's how I'd like to start the show. And if we could begin the uh, with the first pillar of faith, and you know, in in faith, Pastor, we we go through these struggles in life. And sometimes in these struggles, we see an opportunity for God to really step in and do a mighty work in our life. So I'm going to ask if you would, would you share with us a time when your faith was stretched, a time when maybe you were even in that proverbial
1: pit? You know, Jay, it's kind of interesting. I, I, I thought a lot about what, because there, there, frankly, there are a bunch of stretching stories and there are some, some ups and downs. All of us have them when you're in ministry, you're not exempt from that. You, you have them just like everybody else. But the, the story, I guess, if you really wanted to know me, the most defining part of my life in terms of struggle really goes to the, to the death of my oldest son, Nick. You know, you mentioned him father for my oldest son, Nick died in May of 2010. And to understand that whole situation, we need to sort of go back a little bit. In 2001, Julie and I and our family came to San Antonio. We were called to serve as senior pastor of Concordia Lutheran Church. It was a great, great honor. It's been a tremendous blessing. My son, Nick, was in his eighth grade year, and uh, everything seemed to go well. But the reality is that Nick began to struggle, and he began to struggle in high school. And just a short time before his high school graduation, he had some significant issues and significant struggle, and it began it really started us down a path of deep trial and profound struggle and uh, interactions, conversations, family dynamic, painful things, Jay, that, frankly, I never expected. You know, I grew up in a kind of a leave-it-to-beaver family. My mom and dad loved each other. Our family was very, very poor in terms of financial resources, but it was rich in love. Everything went well, and there were no, no struggles of this sort Went on, but but Nick battled addiction and it was uh, a really tough time in May of 2010. As I said, ultimately Nick took his own life, and I don't even have the words to describe how that feels on the inside of me right now, all these years later. But it was without question the most devastating, heartbreaking, painful time of my life and of my wife and my family we loved nick we had uh, done everything in our power to try and and help him to stand by him to see him emerge from this from this trap you know that's what addiction is it's a trap uh, it's right. no different than our sinful nature we're all addicted aren't we to sin but sometimes substances or behaviors take hold and they become very difficult to break and and nick was nick was entrapped and that was a it was a time of, of questioning God. It was a time of being profoundly angry with God. I, I don't know how, how deeply you want me to get into it, but but frankly it was a it was a very difficult time filled with pain and questions and doubts.
0: Well you do make me think of you know, as I'm listening to that, I I, I have it makes me come up with questions. And I guess the, the big question is as you come through that. And you come out the other side of that for you and for Julie and for your other kiddos as a family unit, how do you guys in- endure for going through that season of struggle? How, how, so if, if if someone else is going through something like that and they're in the midst of this storm,
1: how do they push through that? By faith, honestly. You know, Jake, could I, could I take just a little different tack though? Because... As I think about this, the way I view this and the way I view it for my beloved congregation here at Concordia is that I want to talk to folks before they get into that storm.
0: Absolutely.
1: I don't know whether people will... I I, I pray no one else loses a child, although we know it happens all the time. We just lost a a beautiful, wonderful young man from Churchill High School that, that affects thousands and thousands of hearts and lives. But let's talk about let's talk about before that because the reality is the, th- the th- one of the core things that i believe helped julie and me and our family survive was the trust the, the faith in god that had been built before that happened right the walking with him and serving him and learning from him and being in his word you know jay one of the one of the one of the great blessings of our life is that Julie and I are tithers. We take the the scriptural call to tithe very seriously, and we've tested God in that promise and and one of the things that that that, along with a whole lifetime of walking with him did is it it created this this whole litany of times that God had been faithful in things that maybe in the moment seemed like big things, but in the face of of great loss or or profound illness or grief. Really are, are nothing. They're, they, they absolutely don't even belong in the same ballpark, but they create that, that, that litany of God's faithfulness. Just like God called his people of Israel to, re, to remember his faithfulness, to remember his deliverance. When you tithe, you develop your own personal litany of God's faithfulness and it, it creates a strength to your faith that's really powerful. Second thing that I think is really key. Develop those Christian relationships. And I'm not saying only Christian relationships, because we've got to have relationships with all kinds of people, and we've got to be stretched to go outside of, of the bounds of our comfort zone. But but we also have to have deep relationships with faithful Christian people who will hold us accountable, who will tell us the truth about about the things that they see and the things that are going on in our lives, and who will love us when we are so broken. Yeah. We don't know where to turn, right? We don't. But those but those relationships also don't happen in an instant, and so you've you've got to be building those relationships and working to to grow. And and and, you know sometimes those relationships change because people's lives change, their context changes, they move away, and sometimes you find out that in the in the heat of battle, those folks don't have the stamina or the fortitude to to stand by you. So you've really got to work at finding those core people who will be. cornerstones when you need strength. And, and, you know, just like Aaron, your your arms are too weak. You can't hold them up anymore, right? Right. And then the third thing, which is the theme, i, I say this over and over to our congregation and be in the word. Be in the word every day. Be in the word all the time, because you will be amazed how God uses that word again in the simple circumstances of life, but how that word that is, that is stored up and treasured in your heart and mind, how that will bring such power in those fractured, broken, hurting moments. Well,
0: You know, even in the midst of one of the most difficult times a person, a parent could ever imagine the glory and the awesomeness of God is still shining through. Yeah. Even in the midst of this most difficult time, you're looking, God, I know what you've done. I've seen that litany of your faithfulness. I know you've done it before. I know you'll do it again. And it's that continued faith and trust that you have put in God, which is, brings you to this full circle point where you can even have this conversation.
1: Well and and again this conversation I, I frankly I didn't know if I'd be able to get through this without without crying and and choking up that's you know that happens to me a lot even just in preaching but that's that's a recent thing Jay because I have to tell you that when I think about surviving this time and the things that I just said I don't think of it being glory and and this deep and profound trust I think of it as literally in the mud hanging on for dear life and um, no glory. I don't mean to. I don't mean to take anything away from our our God because our God is amazing and beautiful and glorify, glorified. But I'm talking about in the deepest, darkest moments where you don't even know if you want to survive. Right. But you know, God God doesn't leave us there. And even in the worst seasons, you know, I can't tell you how many times I talk with with beloved folks who are going through a terrible time and they and they're one of the most hopeful things that, that they hear when we talk is that this is a season that it, it doesn't stay the same. Our, our emotions, our heart, our life, even those times when we feel like despair, it doesn't stay there because, because our God brings hope. He's built hope even into the cycles of life. And so, you know, part of it is hanging on until you, until you get to a different spot in your heart and mind.
0: Yeah. And getting through that desert or that season, and, uh, knowing that no matter how many times you fall, even the proverbial seven times 77, that he's right there with us waiting to grasp our hand, to lift us up, to pull us out yep. and to put him bring him alongside him. Yeah. I doubt that a, a period like this will, um, that you'll ever fully come through it because it's, it's part of who you are, not that you won't move through it, but it's part of who you are. And, and in this season of your life, it does allow you to minister to others. And I look at these few things that we talked about, whether it's establishing those deep relationships, being in the word of God, recognizing God's faithfulness, there's those opportunities for us to bring it full circle back to God, even in the midst of such a tragic event.
1: It's absolutely
0: true. Well, I'm I'm so grateful that you shared that story with us that you would open your heart and open your family to us like that. And I, I pray that that those words and that that commitment to being vulnerable will be a blessing to those that get to hear it here. Bless nation. Thanks, Jay. Awesome. Thank you, pastor. Well, you know, I've, I've come to learn that, you know, we're talking about seasons and there's seasons in our life, just like you shared that incredible season of struggle and pain in yours. But praise God the scriptures tell us that joy does come in the morning. And sometimes that joy is just a little bit, but it's enough to get us through that next day. So I want to kind of transition just a little bit. And I want to talk about that, that joy. I want to talk about hope and praise God, really, that our ultimate hope doesn't rest in a thing or even an event, but it rests in the Lord and that we can have that secure confidence that we can have that. And that he carries us through those rough times and sees us through to that other side. So oftentimes the desire for something good, for something hopeful manifests itself in our life, in our future, and it comes to pass and it increases our hope ever so more. So I want to ask you if you would tell us about a time when your faith, it actually positioned you for a renewed hope and maybe even an eventual breakthrough.
1: You know, Jay, I, I guess what I think of is the same story because um there are there are a couple really interesting things that I think of when I think of hope that has come out of the pain with Nick. One of one of them, which is important to me, but maybe less significant than the second, is that it, it opened the doors for all kinds of ministry. It's a it's an interesting thing. You know, my call, my vocation is as pastor of a congregation. And one of the things that happens sometimes is that people put pastors on a pedestal. They they think that they live lives that are free of trouble, you know, that they, they don't understand struggle or pain or hurt or heartache. Well, the reality is there's no way in the world for anybody to mistake that in my life. You know, it was, it was right out there for the whole world to see and hear. And I'm sure there were people who re- reacted negatively to that and, and viewed myself or Julie in a negative light as a result. But but the thing that we experienced more than anything else was, first of all, incredible love and support. I can't imagine our beloved Concordia responding in, in any more supportive or kind or loving way. But it also created this tremendous open door for people who had hurts and wounds and pain. To suddenly feel like their pastor and his wife could understand, right? You know that 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 we really did. We're living a, a real life, a blessed life for sure, but living a real life that had hurts and heartaches. You know, one of the things that uh, that Rick Warren says. You know, I love Rick Warren, and and you know, one time in a in a, when I met him briefly, you know, he shared that he and I are part of the same club, right? A club nobody wants to be part of because you know that Rick lost a son. But I think about one of the things that he said, uh, I think back in the purpose-driven life, was that God never wastes our hurts. That he always uses our pain and our struggle, our real brokenness and the victory we have in Christ for the sake of our witness and blessing other people. And so that's that's one of those things. The other thing that I think of when it comes to hope is really a, it's a very deep and significant thing to me. And, you know, as a Lutheran pastor, the heart and center of the gospel as i understand it from our theology is the message of god's grace. in fact, we have three solas, you know, three foundation points for for our faith. it's sola uh, sola scriptura, which is god's word alone, sola fide by faith alone, and sola gratia by grace alone. and and so i pr- i've preached about it, i've learned about it, i've studied, i've i've been immersed in this whole idea of grace. but as i Struggled through the agony of the loss of my son, of him taking his own life, of his deep, deep battle with brokenness. There was, there was no, there was no way to, to sort of cover up the fact that, that by the standard of the law, Nick wasn't going to be in heaven. And, the the pain of that was so profound and so deep, and it, I became so reliant on the message that that our salvation is based on God's grace alone. Amen. One of the beautiful things that that happened that is a treasure for Julie and me is that shortly before Nick died, he had he had returned to his faith, and he'd professed that faith. In fact, in some things that he had written after. Uh, that we found after he'd passed away, he talks about his faith and and his trust in Jesus Christ. And so, you know, when you you preach and teach grace, and I'm saying this just for me, not for any other pastor or any other preacher, just for me. But when you preach and teach grace all of those years, you believe it and it's important to you. But in my life, when suddenly the most important thing in the world was that reunion with my son in heaven. And the only thing, the only thing that that brought that as a possibility was God's grace. Suddenly, my gratitude for and understanding of and desperate reliance upon God's grace became something entirely different. It was no longer a a theological exercise or even sort of a, a profession exercise. It became cornerstone of my hope in Christ. Wow. You know, because of God's
0: grace, you get an ultimate hope. And you just said that, but I just want to restate it just so I can hear it again in my own head. That grace of God allows you and Nick to be reunited once again for an eternity with a renewed mind, with a renewed body, with a renewed faith. And free, free of all of the brokenness of this world. Amen. I mean, that is a story of hope. That is something you can hang your hat on to say, I get to see my son again and spend eternity with him. And right now I know that he is not broken. I know that he is at the right hand of Christ, that he is renewed in his glorified body, that he is waiting for me to spend an eternity with him in heaven. I love how we get to see the faithfulness of God show up in, in this story. And it's so reassuring that when life happens, that God is willing and able to show up in our life in a big way. And hallelujah for that. Well, you know, as we, as we roll into that, that next pillar, you know, the next segment of the show, if you will, it's on promise. And I suspect when it comes to promise, and the, and the word of God, I already know how important it is to you because you, you, you told us, you know, it was one of those three things that you leaned on when you're going through that season of struggle. But mm-hmm. when it comes to promise, you know, it's those promises of God that we can have to start with that increases our faith and that renews our hope. And so when we're looking for that way to strengthen and to grow our hope, we simply don't have to look any farther than the promises of God. Right. Praise God for that. So when you know God's promises for your life, you can't help but to look forward to the future because he tells us how it all ends out, how it all ends. So praise God. When you look at the thousands of promises in the Bible, to me, at least it's evident that, that God wants to bless us. Right. You know, as our father, as our heavenly father, you know, just as much as I want to bless my boys as an earthly father. God wants to do that with a major exclamation point behind it as his sons and daughters. So many of our favorite scriptures that are found in the Bible are actually promises. And I know you, you know that. So I'm going to ask you, would you share with us one scripture or promise or both that has guided you during this time of faith and hope in your life?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, you know, guided, it may be a bit, uh, A bit strong. You'll understand when I I tell you the verse, because I, there are lots of verses that have been critically important. You know, Romans eight, God's promise that he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You know, that's that God's working good for us and for our son. You know, so important. You know, think of Ephesians two, that we are saved by grace, not by works. You know, so very important to us. But Jay, as I thought about this, honestly, the verse that, that went through my mind over and over and over again is a verse from John chapter 6. It's John 6, verse 68. And let me just give a little context for the folks who are listening, the blessed sure. nation, if you will. G- John chapter 6 is a really brutal section. Jesus is taking it to everybody who's listening and And people become so disenchanted, they become so disheartened that they begin to to wander away and they wander away in droves and finally, all that's left with Jesus their teaching are his disciples and Jesus turns to them and and you sort of almost hear the ache in his heart you know and and he says to them, "Well, are you going to go too and Peter responds to him, and he responds in a way that that I think is really interesting because I think peter you know my paraphrase is that Peter's saying. Well, actually, Lord, we'd like to. I mean, is it pretty tough. What the scripture says is, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Peter's essentially saying, well, man, we kind of like to go, right? But where else is there hope? It goes on to say, we have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God, that that... That in those moments when we don't like what God is doing, because Jay, make no mistake, I still don't like God's answer to my prayers to save my son. I still don't like that he didn't reverse the struggle and deliver him into great victory and give him a witness that could be powerful across the world. I still don't like it. But where else do you go for eternal life? You know, he is the Holy One of God. And so when, you, when you're when you sort of in that broken place and there's nowhere else to turn, it drives you back into the Word and back into the promises and, and recognize the reality that that even though we would like to and sometimes want to pretend like we're God, we serve God. He makes the rules, He makes the decisions, and He gives us hope. That's such a good
0: reminder, and, and that can only be... Formulated in humility to know that in those moments when we don't necessarily like the answer, we still serve God. Right. Those circumstances don't serve our commitment. I mean, those circumstances don't change, rather, our commitment to our faith and to who he is. They may test them. They may stretch them. And I guess, ultimately, they could undo it. But that reminder of. The circumstances don't dictate the fact that you have placed your salvation in Christ, that you follow him, that he is the Lord of your life. And as you lean into that, as you, especially through a rough time, it will fortify you more than anything of the world can.
1: Jay, that's why that, that last part of the verse is so critically important. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. We need to be building our faith for the storms that are coming because they are always coming and and when we when we come to believe and when we know because by God's faithfulness we've established that litany of, of recognizing his faithfulness in the little things when it comes to the things that are more important than anything else like our life or our children or our family then we can continue to trust God even if we don't like his answers amen amen
0: not only does that remind me of God's timing is different than ours but it reminds me that God's ways are different than ours. And sometimes we may not get it. We may, may not fully comprehend it. And He's still God. He is still God. He's still God. Awesome. I love that. Well, Pastor, as we as we roll into the final segment of the show, actually, right, right before we do that, I just want to check in with Blessed Nation here. And Blessed Nation, God, I want you to I just want to remind you guys that God knows your heart, just like he knows Bill's heart. He knows what you're going through, just like he, know, he knows what Bill and Julie and his kids have been going through, what they've gone through as it relates to the story of with Nick. And God is here. He God is with you. He wants to know you, and he wants you to know that you can stand on his promises. And God still reigns. God is still on the throne. So before we move into this final segment, Blessed Nation, if you've enjoyed the show so far, if it's speaking to you, if it's blessing you, I'd love to invite you to subscribe to the show. That's how you support the show is you prepare yourself for that next episode. And it's easy to do, whether you're listening to it on iTunes or whether you're listening to it on the yourblesslife.com homepage. There's a purple button that says subscribe. If you click that, you'll be set up for that next that next episode. And so I, I thank you in advance for, for sharing that with us. So as we roll into the final segment of the show here, Bill, the the nuggets of wisdom round, kind of a speed round. Okay, <laughs> I want to share this point with you. As a young man, in fact, I had my mom as a guest on the show a couple of episodes ago, and we talked about this point. And what was really cool about that is my mom didn't know she was going to be a guest. I told her I was just practicing, <laughs> <laughs> and then I edited it, and we it came out a couple of episodes ago, and it was. It was such a wonderful blessing to get to have that kind of conversation with my mom because my mom is a lover of Christ. And along the way in my life, she was so wise and she always would lay the Bible out. She would have it turned to the book of Proverbs and she would have it lay on my bed at different points in my young teenage life or even in my adult life as she was visiting me. She constantly kept that word in front of me. And because of that, I have become a lover of the wisdom of God. I love it because of it being God's word, but it's so practical. I consider myself a super practical guy. And so I love these nuggets of wisdom that we find in, you know, the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and, you know, James for me, I mean, James to me is kind of like the Mm -hmm. mini version of the new Testament Proverbs. But when I think of these books of wisdom I want to expound on them. So that's what this little segment of the show is. So I'm going to ask you, Pastor, to share a few nuggets of wisdom with us from your own personal uh, stand and from your own personal life. And this first one is simple, but it's profound. Okay. So big or small, would you share with us one thing that's on your heart right now that you are grateful for and that you are praising God for?
1: Yeah, sure. Boy, oh, boy, there are a bunch of things I'm grateful for. But you know, one that I think is uh, really, really powerful is that over the course of the last couple of years, some friends of uh, and I have used the ability for text messaging to create a support group of pastors who who have similar kinds of ministries, and out of that has has grown this beautiful. This beautiful support for one another. So someone can be going through something and say, you know, I'm, I'm headed into a funeral or I'm, I'm going to visit this person and they're, they're struggling and will you pray for me? And they know that instantly they've got 10 other guys who are lifting them up in prayer and supporting them, guys who get what they're doing and, and where, they, where they're going to be and what their life is like. And so it's been a profound support. There's lots of craziness that happens, you know, and sports talk and, <laughs> sure. and uh, you know, just guys being knuckleheads. But, but it's a very powerful thing. And, and frankly, Jay, it's one of those things that, that I would love to see people multiply over and over and over again for the sake of love and support of each other.
0: Oh, man, I love that. You know what I think about when you're talking about that is that it's a mastermind, You know, I think about Proverbs and iron sharpening iron and how you align yourself with like-minded people, but it's, it's a full, it's a full service mastermind. You have fun, you support each other, you have fellowship and you sharpen each other and you support each other. Absolutely. And I like that. Thank you for sharing that with us. Well, along that same lines, would you share with us one way of something that you like to do to be a blessing to others?
1: Yeah. Great question. You know, obviously the first thing that comes to mind is serving my family. You know, I love to preach obviously to bless my, but you know, Jay, one, something that I'm really working hard on, I, this may be a little off the the beaten path for, for what you're looking for. So, you know, edit it out if you don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Then I know it's going to
0: be good. Come on, bring it.
1: But one of the things that I, that I'm trying to do to be a blessing to other people is fight in my own heart and mind against binary thinking. You know what I mean by binary thinking? Binary is, that's the machine language, right? And in machine language, there are only two positions, off or on. And, and I find that it's easy as a Christian person to begin to develop what I would call pharisaic tendencies, to make judgments about things and and instead of allowing for the fact that, that there are so many differences and so much context and, and so much that, that love covers, we immediately identify things as right or wrong. And, and we just lump them into a category. And that's the end of our love. That's the end of our compassion. It's the end of our witness. I'm really, I am really retooling by the God spirit, retooling my thinking so that I am not a binary thinker. So I am a Christ like thinker.
0: Wow. That's deep. Well, I
1: got a lot of work to do, so I, I need deep stuff to dig in there.
0: Well, and I think the idea when I hear that is it, it, it really requires that we step into the heart of Christ to be able to get an answer that is Christ-like. So it's not, it's not just a, a yes or no question. So that's
1: yeah. Again, that's in my, for in my life, for my mind, I can't, I can't be loving and binary. And I, again, I'm not speaking for anybody else. But I know that when I allow myself to slip into binary thinking when it comes to people, it means that I'm that I'm shutting people down because I've made a judgment instead of engaging them because I'm trying to love them as Christ loves them.
0: Ooh, that's good. That's a quotable. If I was on Twitter, that's a tweetable. <laughs> 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 but I'm not. That's I, that's good. That's powerful. There's a lot said in that in that short little grouping of words there. Well, let's continue right down the trek here. So. As it relates to wisdom, obviously we find tremendous amount of godly wisdom in the book that God wrote. But when it relates to books on the bookshelf at our store, and I and I'm a I'm a fan of books. I I am an avid reader. I, I I enjoy it. It blesses my well. It blesses all of me: my mind, my body, my soul, my spirit. But for you, Pastor, when you think of a Christ-centered book that has, and I, and I, I, in the show, I always emphasize Christ-centered because, you know, I don't want them talking about Lord of the Rings or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, if that book talked to you, awesome. But I, I really am looking for a Christ-centered book that's bless some area of your life. But here's where I want to kind of give you lots of rope is it doesn't matter what area of your life that it spoke to you. It can be in your, with your kiddos at church, your relationships, your faith, your finances, your business, any area. But when you think of a book that's really spoke to you,
1: anything come to mind? Boy, you know, again, I'm a big fan of books, and so I'm always reading several. Jay, when I think when I th- when you ask that question, the thing that comes to mind is almost anything by Tim Keller. He's a he's a pastor. He is a theologian, and I love so. So Tim Keller's got a, a book on prayer that is extremely powerful and insightful. He's got an, an incredible book on marriage. It's called The Meaning of Marriage, that is an, a, a phenomenal blessing for for folks who are trying to strengthen and, and and bless their marriages. You know, he's got a he's got a book that talks about pain and grief. I, I don't remember the title for sure. He's got another book that's a that's an exegesis of Judges that is outstanding. I love Tim Keller, and frankly, if, if you said, hey, Bill, you know, name one book that you'll pick up in the, in the near future, I, I'd be going to the list of Tim Keller books and picking out something I haven't read already. Wow.
0: You know, and I've heard you I've heard you a dote on, on Tim Keller before, and that is one of the recent books that uh, Dana and I have just purchased, and it's his book on marriage, yeah. and I look forward to diving into that. Phenomenal. So that's good to know that he's, he's also got some other areas that he's passionate about and teaches on.
1: Yeah, he sure does. And again, there's so many other great authors, you know, Max Lucado here in San Antonio. I love, there's, there's no better storyteller in the world than Max, you know, his books are a blessing, but it's a, it's a very different experience, right? He teaches in a different way and sort of has a different kind of a point. So there are lots of great authors, lots of great books, contemporary and and classics. Yeah, that's true.
0: I was uh, kind of smiling and teasing Dana this morning. So we were having our coffee this morning and she's reading this new book. It's called, I think it's called Circle of Prayer or something similar to that. And so she's reading it this morning and and I crawl out of my cave and I come in there and I'm having my cup of coffee and and I see her with a highlighter and she's highlighting her book. And she's smiling real big and she faces it over at me. She says, look, I'm highlighting a book and I'm like honey. That is awesome. I love that. Because I, when I read a book, I, I devour it. I earmark it. I write on it. I permanent marker it. I highlight it. I mean, I just, I really kind of, not really destroy it, but it's very used when I'm done with it. So I don't resell my books because yeah, yeah. I can't. And to see her devouring this book, especially a book on prayer and having it highlights it is something that just kind of brings joy to my heart. So yeah, just a fun little story on on the power of some awesome books. Well, you know, the idea of us uh, coming together and spending some time getting to know, you know, another side of Bill Tucker is an honor for me. And I want to I really just want to say thank you for taking the time. I know how busy you are, but I want to say thank you for taking the time for sharing so much with us today.
1: It's a pleasure. I hope that it's a blessing to folks, but it's a it's a blessing to be with you, Jay. Thanks for inviting me.
0: It has been a blessing to me, too. Thank you. I'm glad it has. You know, that's something I always uh, ask. I say always, mostly, as long as I don't forget about it, is to ask. Actually, I state it to the guests and I, and you already answered it. And what I tell them is I hope that this time together has been as much of a blessing to you as It has been to me. So thank you for sharing that, that it has been. And Blessed Nation, you know, if you've enjoyed this episode so far, you can leave us a review and it would... Well, it would share some love with us. It would, it would mean a a ton to us and it's easy to do. And I tell you something fun that I'm doing. So each week, if you come on iTunes and leave us a review the next week, I'd just like to give you a, a personal thank you. And I'd like to say, you know, whatever your name is and say, thank you for taking the time to write that review, to write that rating. Cause I know it takes some time, but I appreciate it. And it gives the show that support and it gives folks a little bit of you and what you think of the show. So thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I look forward to sharing that very next episode with you, but I want to leave you with this. And I want you to remember until that next time we come together, that God loves you and he wants to bless you.